With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coming up today on the show, the latest on the Seahawks search for Pete Carroll's successor as head coach. Some breaking news today. Dave Canales, ex-Seahawks assistant, hired in Carolina. So there are now just three open jobs, and the Seahawks are going to be in a position soon to basically have their pick of candidates. Who will that be? Seaside Joe is joining me today, author of the outstanding Daily Seahawks newsletter. He has connected a bunch of dots. He has a firm prediction that he is willing to stake his entire reputation on of who he thinks the Seahawks are going to hire as their head coach. That is coming up next today on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now here's your host. Dan Viennes. Hit that like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notification of new episodes. If you prefer audio episodes, subscribe on any podcast platform you prefer. And if you want to listen to episodes without ads, you can subscribe on Spotify for under a dollar a month. It's 99 cents, literally. You can do that. Link will be in the description of the show. And also, if you just want to support me, you like the show, you like what I do, you can buy me a coffee or a beer at the link also in the description. Let's get right to it. He's been on the show before. He writes a daily newsletter going on five years now without missing a day. And he's one of the most thoughtful um, and analytical Seahawk minds out there. Used to be managing editor of Field Goals. That's where I started following him many years ago, back in the uh, Danny Kelly days of that great, uh, great website. Uh, and he was kind enough to join me again earlier this morning to give his prediction and also his thoughts on uh, just what's going on with the search and uh, and maybe why Dave, Dave Canales wasn't a candidate here, even with his history here. Canales hired today by the Carolina Panthers. Let's get right to it. This is my interview earlier today with Seaside Joe. Excited to have Seaside Joe back on the show. We have so much to talk about, and I can't wait to get right to it. But before we get to uh, the most compelling piece of this, I think, which is your prediction that you are staking your entire career on as to who the the Seahawks' next head coach might be, uh, we have some news to deal with. The the Carolina Panthers just this morning, uh, news is breaking that Dave Canales, the longtime Seahawks Pete Carroll assistant, has been hired as their new head coach under the leadership of their newly appointed general manager, Dan Morgan. They worked together in Seattle for six years. Uh, Your thoughts on that hire and why you don't think Canales was a candidate here in Seattle. Yeah, I think it there's, it's so hard to try and uh, connect any sort of dots. Like as we're seeing, even though there's some that were, you know, foretold right away, like Gerard Mayo to the Patriots and Antonio Pierce to the Raiders. Those were very easy connections. You know, there's there's so much other noise going on that you don't really know what to go off of in terms of who's the best fit. Because as soon as you lock into somebody, you're just going to come into any explanation that makes sense for why it supports what you already believe anyway. You know, for the Dan Quinn connection to the Seattle Seahawks, it's like, oh, you know that he worked for the Seahawks. 
you know that he's, you know, a very Seattle kind of guy. That's why Dan Quinn is the favorite, and that's it. But I like to just go off of context clues. So my context for Dave Canales is you worked for Pete Carroll at USC. He brought you to Seattle. You were here for 13 years. You left and, and last year, and one year later, you become a head coach. My context is what didn't Pete Carroll like about Dave Canales? I mean, obviously he liked him enough to keep him around, but you know, you could have hired him as offensive coordinator instead yeah. of Shane Waldron. You could have fired Shane Waldron and hired him as an offensive coordinator. What didn't you like about Dave Canales? So I wonder what that move really means for Carolina. Uh, I've said one of the most important things about a head coaching search um, in the very beginning of when this all happened was it's just as important how attractive the team is as it is how attractive the candidate is. And the Panthers being 2-15 and 15 without a first-round pick this year, you know, if they had their first-round pick, they wouldn't have Bryce Young, obviously. But yeah. if they somehow had that pick, you know, maybe they wouldn't have hired Dave Canales. Maybe they would have been like, a team that head coaches were calling, like, why can't I be with you? I want to coach Caleb Williams, whatever, whatever. But that to me is like kind of a settle situation for the Panthers. No offense to Dave Canales, you know, but they had to take a shot on someone and they feel like he's going to give Bryce Young the best opportunity to be good. And I don't think that he really fits what Seattle needs to do because, you know, Seattle is far, you know, they don't have the number one pick, so they're not going to necessarily get a, uh, although I want to talk about eventually the, the Seahawks trading up, not today, maybe, but you know, whatever, right, right. but it's just like the, at the end of the day, it's like, I could see why maybe Canales quarterback Bryce young, as opposed to the Seahawks, no quarterback quite yet. So, you know, maybe they just didn't really see the need there. Well, he has some dynamic qualities. It's easy to see how he could succeed in an interview situation. And, and certainly he has success working with diminutive quarterbacks, shall we say. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so now there are only three jobs left. Uh, the Seahawks, the Commanders, and the Falcons. Who knows what's going on with the Falcons? They're all over the place. Uh, but before we talk about uh, who you specifically think may end up being the choice here, um, before we do that, let's this your this is our first chance to talk since Pete Carroll was removed as head coach. It's been two weeks now. You've had a chance to digest this from every angle possible. Uh, your thoughts on that move? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine with it. You know, I mean, uh, you know, you were saying before how the the move maybe we didn't expect it to happen this year and it's funny how a couple of years ago that's what everyone was saying about the Russell Wilson trade yeah. so it's it feels like this is the second time in a couple of years that the Seahawks you know did something maybe that we all kind of expected to be happening soon but they did it maybe a year before we thought they would the Russell Wilson trade you know worked out pretty well for them if not you know great for them and you know I think that change can sometimes just inspire, you know, interest again. And I think being interesting and entertaining is is as important to sports teams as anything else, you know, to, to have those kinds of uh, uh, stories going on about you that are, you know, in not a way that's negative, you know. Uh, I don't think that Pete Carroll, you know, if there was an approval uh, index for, for Pete Carroll's, the job he's done in the last, three, five, six, eight years. Uh, it's probably at its lowest point that it's been since um, the seven and 10 season before they went on a run at the end of the year to, to improve what could have been, you know, a record of five and 12, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. 
if, if, they, if they had not, you know, rebounded just enough in 2021, maybe Pete Carroll gets fired at that point. Uh, and then they do stick with Russell Wilson. But it's kind of interesting. Just the I think the timing was just we can do this now. And I think like as I've written already before, you know, obviously you've read it. Not everybody that's watching this has read it, but it's it's uh, it's sort of the, I think that the Seahawks do stuff with their next plan in mind already. Yeah. I don't think that they're a business that's like, well, let's just see what happens, you know, and every single hire so far is nobody that was anywhere close to this job. So I feel like this is five names out of the bucket that the Seahawks had no attachment to. Every other name is in the bucket. You know, they're going to be able to, I feel like they know the whole time. And I also feel like they're a pretty good covert operation. Usually they do stuff. And people go, why did you do that? We never thought you were going to do that. You know, we want you to do what we think you're going to do. Right. So uh, I could totally see it being someone like Mike McDonald, because a lot of people, you know, they, they look at Seahawks defense, horrible defense, Mike McDonald defense, phenomenal defense, young guy, you know, never had the job before, which people kind of like always. They like to see a guy for his first run. Um, so the fact that they haven't interviewed him yet doesn't really matter to me. And I feel like it could all be a part of the plan. If not Ben Johnson, if not Mike yeah. Kafka, if not Dan Quinn. Yeah. Interesting. And Mike McDonald just named this morning as the assistant coach of the year in the NFL by the pro football writers association. He's a guy that, uh, I've had many, many conversations with fans over the last week that are perplexed as to why he hasn't been interviewed. And then information was clarified over the last couple of days from a couple of different sources, not the least of which was Albert Breer, that the timing just didn't work with uh, when they made the move with Pete Carroll, that didn't give him enough time in that window to get a first interview in. But also when you start connecting dots now with the jobs that are left, everyone expects the commanders to go all in on Ben Johnson. They're sending a massive contingent, it sounds like, to meet with them next week when they're allowed to, that that's where their resources are being are being spent. He's an East Coast guy. He's from down the road in Carolina. Uh, that may appeal to him, the second pick, all the cap space, all of that. And then, as I mentioned with Atlanta, you know, they they wanted Bill Belichick. I don't know why that hasn't happened yet. They're now doing second interviews uh, with a number of guys, including Mike Vrabel. So it sounds like they're kind of going after bigger fish, um, which would leave – there's no there's no reason to interview Mike McDonald until their season's over if you're going to be the last – team standing and maybe that's the guy that they want all along however yeah you have made a prediction and you have a pretty damn good track record my friend of making predictions when it comes to the draft in particular and things like that and uh free agent contracts and extensions you you wrote this in your newsletter the other day seaside joe daily newsletter going on uh how many years now consecutively without missing a day is it uh, this in a couple in a month or something, it'll be five straight years. There you go. And, uh, and you, you wrote the piece wonderfully as you always do. And you, you saved, uh, you know, the spoilers for the end and it was a curveball. It w was not where you were. I was expecting you to go. Um, I, I don't mean to give it anything away, but I'll let you announce you. it. Uh, <laughs> because people may have already read it or seen the thumbnail that I'm going to create for this uh, for this video, but who is your prediction? The guy that you think the Seahawks are going to hire? Well, I mean, it's so uh, interesting because as I as I wrote uh, at Seaside Joe, it was 
it's such a weird thing to be predicting. You know, the the, the Seahawks haven't really done this ever, not no. in the internet age. You know, it was Pete Carroll was the guy. Mm-hmm. Jim Moore was contracted to be the guy. Mike Holmgren was the guy. Like even Dennis Erickson was the guy. You have to go back yeah. so far. I mean, before there were even were head coach searches, the CS just don't really do this. So I've always made my predictions based on the fact that they've had John Schneider and Pete Carroll for 14 years. So it's like, what are they going to do in the draft? Usually probably the same thing. And I know people, right. you know, you might think that Devin Witherspoon was a curveball, but you know, Devin Witherspoon being a curveball is only because we were so fixated on positional, you know, value. And it was just like, no, what's the, what's the, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, I don't want to say emotional value, but like, what's the attitude, the type of player that the Seahawks really have been getting these last couple of years. He best personifies that. So, you know, it's harder without Pete Carroll in place to really know like what personifies the Seahawks because Pete Carroll was the Seahawks. But I think now that we kind of shift that over to John Schneider, I start going like, okay, we know John Schneider, like he's been with Seattle for 14 years and, you know, he was with the Packers and he's had a 20 year career before he got to the Seahawks. Um, And so Cutting, cutting to the chase, Mike Kafka, uh, the Giants offensive coordinator, is such a ideal representation of the only things that we really know about John Schneider um, as the type of person who would be picking a head coach. Um, in my upcoming article uh, at Seaside Joe, it's going to be talking about, you know, Mike Kafka is basically Mike McCarthy now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when – John Schneider was with the Green Bay Packers. Nobody expected them to hire Mike McCarthy. He was a very weird pick at the time. It was kind of a left field pick. He had been the 30th ranked offense with the Saints the year before he was hired to take over an offense with Brett Favre and a young Aaron Rodgers to develop. And they picked Mike McCarthy and John Schneider saw, wow, Brett Favre's career, you know, he kind of rebounded uh, in, in McCarthy's second year. And then Aaron Rodgers came along and they won the Super Bowl. So a lot of success happened from that pick. Mike Kafka was Patrick Mahomes' quarterback coach. Patrick Mahomes, uh, you can read an article at The Athletic that I just read last night uh, from a little while back that uh, Mike Sean Duggar uh, had tweeted out. Um, and it was just talking about, you know, how this is a guy that, you know, Patrick Mahomes credits so much uh, with his own development and success and bringing him along in the right way. And then he was the Chiefs passing game coordinator. He won two Super Bowls. He was in another Super Bowl. So he's been a part of this championship experience. He wasn't the head coach of those teams, but the Seahawks have constantly uh, fixated on coaches who have won Super Bowls or national championships in their past. So it's like he's had that success. First year with the Giants is a phenomenal success. Uh, he makes Daniel Jones out of into something. Yeah. Um, and this last year, you know, just doesn't really count that much for Mike Kafka. So ultimately, what I would be looking at is forget about, you know, offense or defense necessarily. I do think that a play caller is the most important thing right now. An offensive play caller is the most important thing right now because just look. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Ben Johnson, uh, you know, even like the work that Todd Munkin is doing with the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, you're going to lose Munkin eventually if he does this for another year, maybe even right now, you're going to lose Ben Johnson. But if you hire them as the head coach, whether that's Shanahan or McVay or Andy Reid, it's just like, okay, you've got someone in place there. And hopefully, I think for me, I've always just sort of said, 
don't try and overthink it. You know, I say this about uh, a lot of fans, and, and I think Seattle is known for this because it's also just kind of a, a, a hotbed of, you know, Microsoft and a lot of smart people and everything like that. Don't outsmart yourself from being smart. Just do the thing that works. And in my life, quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks, great quarterbacks, they go deep in the playoffs a lot. So I want the Seahawks to get a great play caller who can develop a quarterback. I want them to get a great quarterback. And Mike Kafka, as bad as the Giants offense was last year, represents a lot of those qualities. It's The, the timing was fascinating uh, for you to, to put out that newsletter because – and and. Look, I've been tying myself in knots with this thing on a day-to-day basis, you know, trying to get as much information as I can and trying to connect the dots as much as I can. But Kafka is a guy that that really grabbed my attention. It, right when they announced uh, the five guys that, so far anyway, had been requested to come in for second in-person interviews, I thought, okay, he's a serious contender. And he was the only offensive guy on the list of five. So I started looking into him a little bit more and talking to some other guys uh, that that have studied him a little bit closer, and he reminded me, you know, of a couple other sort of parallel stories. When you look at, I talked about this on the show the other day. Uh, I presented a couple of blind resumes, and it turned out they they ended up being Zach Taylor and Matt Lafleur, and these are guys that had very unimpressive <laughs> resumes before they were hired, and also didn't really blow you away on the podium. Don't have dynamic personalities at all. Very dry. Right, but they're just very, very sharp, very, very smart, and they were able to assemble a staff and, and run a program. And they've both been very successful. But if you look at what they did as coordinators, a neither of them had a lot of play calling responsibility. And when they did, in the, in the case of Zach Taylor, he had five games of calling plays, and they were bad. <laughs> and, and so you look at Mike Kafka, yeah. and three years ago, he was such an up and coming star that the Kansas City Chiefs blocked him from interviewing with the Philadelphia Eagles because they didn't want to lose him. And and at that time, he was only a quarterback's coach. And so, you know, this last year, that's what fans throw at me when I bring up Mike Kafka is, you know, well, well, what about last year? I'm glad you mentioned that it's a throwaway year. You know, when you're you're trying to win with Tommy DeVito and Saquon Barkley was, you know, missed some games and then wasn't 100% in some of the other ones that he played – Terrible offensive line, lots of issues there that we saw up close when we beat him on Monday Night Football. I mean, let me let me just inter- like, go let me for ask it. you. Yeah, name name a name a Giants wide receiver. Yeah, very very uninspiring group. I mean, Darius Slayton and what Wandale Robinson, Billy Shepard. I mean, these are guys I don't even. I mean, I know that yeah. they, they, like their big thing was adding Darren Waller. He didn't, you know. I'm sure. He, yeah. I think he was hurt, right? So it's just like, man, they had nobody, nobody out there. Yeah, when you watch. Uh, Kafka, when you look into him, what is it about how he how he schemes an offense or runs an offense that stands out to you? Well, I mean, again, like uh, just like those context clues, like you were mentioning the, the all the stuff with Kansas City uh, and going back to you know his college days and and as soon as he was like, yeah, I guess I'm not an NFL quarterback. You know, it's like that's the right. the realization that some players have to make. He's like, okay, I guess. I'm not good at this enough to like stick in the league or start or whatever. Pat Fitzgerald calls him up. Dude, you got to come coach for me at Northwestern. I mean, come on. Like how many guys have you known? And then as soon as it's like, he's at Northwestern, it's like, Oh, he's got some coaching. Andy Reid, dude, you got to come coach for me. you got to be my coach, you know? And as soon as it's just like everywhere you go, like these guys that just ascend so rapidly, sometimes they're, they're going to burn out. Right. Sometimes it's just like, yeah, you're not Sean McVay. Uh, you know, whether that's Josh McDaniels or whatever it is, like 
you know, uh, these very young coordinators, they, they don't always work out, um, of course, but sometimes they do. Um, the Giants offense, uh, you know, I understand, like, just in the terms of what they run with the – it's just so crazy to think about, like, everything that they've done with with Daniel Jones and limiting uh, his mistakes. And, and, you know, he was the most mistake-prone quarterback, like, in the NFL – and then he comes in and he has like what five interceptions in in that one year uh, where he was healthy. Uh, and I look at it, and I'm just like, okay, so yes, they do have Andrew Thomas, who's a very strong, you know, left tackle, probably better than Charles Cross at this point, you know, whatever. But Andrew Thomas not being a very healthy guy. Then you just look at over the whole everything else that they've got. Um, the Seahawks are just such an upgraded uh, unit um, for what the Giants have that we may see a completely different uh, version of, of both Mike Kafka and Geno Smith, you know, cause you just can't yeah. really do uh, what you would do in New York as you could do with DK Metcalf. And, and if Tyler Lockett's got any more time left in him and all these other weapons that they have. So uh, I, I'm not really like feeling like I can be an authority on uh, their personnel and scheme and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of what he could do with, you know, an upgraded unit. Cause it's just like with Ben Johnson too. It's, it's, I think that the lions uh, and the Seahawks probably have more personnel similarities than people even really recognize. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like other than the fact that Panay Sewell is, you know, an elite right tackle right. and who knows if Abe Lucas is healthy next year, where, he, where he could really rank. I don't think that the lions are better offensively personnel wise than the Seahawks. Uh, and that's why I'm just like, wow, because Jared Goff, terrible with Jeff Fisher, terrible with Anthony Lynn, mm. great with Sean McVay, great with Ben Johnson. So I'm just like, let's see what Geno Smith can do with this. And then I'll pump the brakes at least for now until the, the draft pick is uh, a quarterback. Now, if you go with a first time young offensive minded head coach, uh, would you anticipate then that they would try to pair him with a more experienced defensive coordinator, um, kind of similar in that vein to when McVay was the the choice in L.A. and he brought uh, Wade Phillips with him? Well, I, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, you make so many great points here today, Dan, things I didn't even know. Uh, uh, but, yeah, Wade Phillips. That's what I try to do. <laughs> <laughs> Wade Phillips was a great first three-year defensive coordinator for Sean McVay. Um, and I think, like, Ultimately, even when Brandon Staley was the defense coordinator of the Rams and they were ranked first in points, nobody thought that the defense was great. You know, it was yeah. just like they, they're just it's just always just about the offense. But, yeah, I mean, there are so many there's so many more defensive coordinator options out there yeah. than there are offensive coordinator options out there. Like you said, protecting Kafka or whether it's the 49ers protecting Mike McDaniel, you know, for as long as the team can. You better hire that guy as a head coach because we're not going to let him go. We'll make up new coordinator roles to just make sure he doesn't leave. You know, that's what we'll do. Defensive coordinator, ah, yeah, take him, whatever. You know, you can get Brandon Staley. You can get, I don't know, just because I'm going off the top of my head. Yeah. The Cowboys got Dan Quinn, and he's been great for them as the defensive coordinator. So it's like no matter who it is, it's like I could, I could see a list of – 10 plus defensive coordinators that don't even have jobs right now. I mean, Mike Vrabel doesn't have a job right now. Bill Belichick doesn't have a job right now. They might not be your defensive coordinator next year, but that's but their defensive coaches. They don't, they don't have jobs and they don't even have like offers that we know of. Nobody's talking about Mike Vrabel to anybody. 
Nobody's talking about Bill Belichick to anybody except for the Falcons. And mm-hmm. now, as you say, Falcons don't even really seem that interested anymore. So there is a there is a time to zig while the rest of the league zags. And, you know, if you want to get a defensive-minded head coach uh, like a Mike McDonald, great. But now the pressure is on just to be like, okay, you better have the number one defense in the NFL. What was the biggest criticism of Dan Quinn? Who, by the way, what is Dan Quinn in Atlanta if he doesn't have Kyle Shanahan and Matt Ryan? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I th- now the flip side of that, and and I've been I've been pushing back on some fans that that are completely anti Quinn, and use the Atlanta experience uh, for their argument is uh, you know look at their last three or four drafts there, and he didn't get any help from the GM in stocking that defense up either. He had very little talent on that side of the ball. Quinn in yeah. in Renton today, or I assume it's Renton. Drove by the VMAC this morning and was wondering if he's in the building yet, but he's supposed to be interviewing in person. If Kafka is the guy. And uh, I think the Seahawks wrap up. I think they have their last second interview Saturday, um, according to uh, Albert Breer. Um, do you think we could see something quick? It, it, you know, barring that they're waiting for Mike McDonald, which is, I guess, if we don't see a hire next week and the Ravens win in advance of the Super Bowl, then speculation will start to grow that that's what they are doing. But if Kafka is a the guy, they can hire him as soon as next week, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I would say that just based on what everybody has said from the beginning, for some reason, I mean, I don't know, you know, what else the the reason would be other than it's true, which is just like, oh, yeah, the Seahawks are not going to make a quick decision. So maybe that is related to Mike McDonald and Ben Johnson, uh, you know, just assuming that, yeah, Mike McDonald could go all the way to the Super Bowl or whatever. You know, uh, obviously it happens sometimes. Kyle Shanahan going to the Super Bowl with the Falcons and knowing that he was going to be the head coach of the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, these interviews are informative and helpful. But like I said, I think the Seahawks didn't make a decision on Pete Carroll uh, without knowing like, okay, this is our 1A, this is our 1B, um, and we're like, very plugged in, like nobody has been more plugged into the league, it seems like, than John Schneider. And he's right up there with anybody else that knows what's going to happen. Yeah. So I think like that is a part of it where they were, they were probably, they could have this whole time said, man, these last two years, they've had Mike McDonald and, and Ben Johnson games to watch and, and to, to study and, and to talk around the league and to know what it is. So, if the Mike McDonald thing was accidentally screwed up, you know, that's kind of weird. If it was just like, you know, uh, it, it just happened, you know, or if it was intentional, I still think like they could talk to Mike McDonald uh, and go into that meeting uh, just as fans went into this whole situation going like, this is the guy I want. Right. So if they wanted Mike McDonald, yeah. then the meeting yeah. is just a formality. Because uh, they're going to look at the football, they're going to talk to people at Michigan, they're going to talk to people at his previous stops, and they're going to know, like, we think we want this guy. Um, and maybe the fact that the Ravens are, are going further in the playoffs only helps their case to do that. Yeah. Um, I'm fine with Mike McDonald. Uh, I'm fine with anybody. You know, it's just going to be what it is. I think, like, if it's if it's a Dan Quinn or, or a Mike Vrabel or something like that, the only, my biggest complaint would just be, you could have done this with Pete Carroll as an, as, as unexciting as that is. Okay. It's just like, you could have done that with Pete Carroll. I, I feel like, and then you could have f- 
fired Pete Carroll next year if the season doesn't go well. Yeah. But if you hire Dan Quinn or you hire Mike Vrabel and you go 6-11 and 11 next year, are you going to fire them even if, like, a really awesome candidate becomes available? Probably right. not. And, yeah. and you're just going to stick with them uh, even though, like, this whole thing is so abstract, you know, hiring a head coach and knowing how the next season is going to be playing out. And I'll add one more thing, which is just like, no offense to to this guy who might end up being a very good coach who, you know, um, is probably just a thread of a few games from being as highly regarded as Mike McDaniel. But, you know, when you look at Brandon Staley, he goes to the Chargers. He was the top head coach on the market. Yeah. He was the number one defensive coordinator in the NFL. Brandon Staley, if, if Mike McDonald is here right now, Brandon Staley was probably here in 2021 after that one year with the Rams because he was this Vic Fangio phenom. He was this young guy, the next Sean McVay, the Sean McVay of defense. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he goes to the Chargers, as I said. They're the most attractive team. He was the most attractive candidate. They come together. He's got all these – weapons offensively defensively and it's a you know i don't want to call it a disaster but it definitely didn't work out like they had planned and now they're at harbaugh obviously yeah. um and i'm sorry to say like okay he's a defensive coach that's going to reflect negatively on other defensive coaches but given the success of zach Ta- zach taylor and, and sean McVay and kyle shanahan and andy reed and all these offensive play callers it's uh it's 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 just i gotta go with the uh, the numbers and the history and, and where things are leaning. Yeah. And Andy Reid, another guy that was a quarterback coach when he was hired as head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Like it never, that called. was another thing, you know, like in, in that old seaside Joe uh, that I wrote, uh, I don't know, last week or whatever, where I was like just researching, like where are these position, what positions these guys coach. Mm-hmm. It's just so funny, Dan, how, how exclusive it is. Quarterbacks, 13, Coaches, I'm not even thought about this, but Dave Canales would be 14. Uh, I don't yeah. know how the list is. Almost half of the league of head coaches coached quarterbacks or were quarterbacks. Yeah. And that's insane because there's a dozen positions or something, you know? So yeah. it's just like that specific thing. And then it's tight ends like Ben Johnson. And then it's uh, linebackers like Vrabel. And, and then it's uh, secondary like Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick, but it's like so exclusive. And Dan yeah. Quinn being one of the only guys who was a defensive line coach, uh, it's just so funny. And so it's just like, yeah, quarterbacks like Mike Kafka, there's just something to it. And I just, it's the game. It's so much of the game is quarterback play. So it's just like, that's why I'm obsessed with quarterback uh, uh, fixated mm-hmm. uh, teams where they're going, we want, Josh Allen, and we're going to give him Ken Dorsey, which obviously that didn't work out. Right. Or you know, want Matt Patrick Mahomes, and we want Mike Kafka. You know, so that's where I'm just like thinking the Seahawks should go. Well, and if they do go with Mike Kafka, that will certainly bring up and who, regardless of who they hire, there will be massive questions about the roster, but in particular, what they're going to do with the quarterback situation moving forward. And uh, that'll be a whole nother topic for many other days. And we'll certainly get together again and have those conversations when the time comes. Um, I, I will certainly give you all the credit in the world. If it ends up being Mike Kafka, I, I will say this, my prediction is uh, I'm not going to predict who it's going to be, but I will predict that that he's going to be hired sometime between Sunday 
and Wednesday morning because I'm going to be out of town and I'm quite sure they're going to make the announcement while <laughs> while I'm traveling. Uh, it just seems like that's how it's going to go down. So we'll see. Go that way, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, let people know about the newsletter again, how they can find it, subscribe to it, and uh, read your stuff. Yeah, thanks, Dan. It's www.seasidejoe.com uh, or you could Google Seaside Joe. It's probably even easier. Still have to figure out this Google indexing thing where I have to not just say www. But yeah, Seaside Joe, uh, we're coming up on 1,800 straight days of posting at least one article about the Seahawks. So uh, that's kind of uh, the gimmick that I'm going with. Yeah. <laughs> so as you said, almost five years without missing a single day. So check that out if you uh, like the Seahawks and you don't mind me hanging out in your email inbox every day. It's so well thought out. I really appreciate the effort that you put into it. And and if, if people aren't reading your newsletter, they just need to. So get in on that. Thanks. Uh, thanks for joining me. We'll get back together after we know who's going to be running this team and we get closer to the draft and we start to see some personnel decisions. And we'll talk about your idea of trading up in the draft. I'm intrigued by that. We'll, we'll get to that when the time comes. There's a will. There's a way. <laughs> That's right. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. So what do you think? As always, tell me in the comments how you would feel about Mike Kafka as a new head coach of the Seahawks. What do you think of Seaside Joe's reasoning on that? And as always, as, as we've been discussing amongst ourselves for the last couple of weeks, some great feedback from you guys. Who do you like now as your favorite candidate to succeed Pete Carroll and take over the helm as a Seattle Seahawks coach? Follow me on Twitter, as always, at Seahawks Forever. And uh, once again, like this video and subscribe to the channel. I will be back. Um, I'll be back tomorrow with some more news and notes, rumors, dot connecting. And as I said in the interview, I'll be out of town over the weekend, but taking my laptop with me. So if the news breaks, I will have my reactions to the head coaching hire with the Seahawks. Until then, forever and always, go Hawks. Thanks for watching.